let me just reiterate that. Thank you. If you were here last week, it was Serve Sunday last week, and we packed 30,000 meals for kids around the world, and those meals are going to Zambia later this month. So thank you so much. It was a great time. The sanctuary had been transformed into exactly what you see up there with all the stations for packing. We appreciate you helping us not just serve our community locally, but globally. So that was our focus this Surf Sunday, was to be the church globally by serving and doing something locally. So as the outreach coordinator, thank you so much. And my name's Tia, and I want to welcome you here today to just uh, enjoy the service today. We are glad you are here. Um, welcome to LifeBridge. What's coming up next is a slide that says impact profile. If you would like to get more involved and serve, this is one way you can do that. If you go to lifebridge.church/impact, you can say how you like to serve. It could be giving someone a drop, ride to a doctor's appointment. It could be helping somebody move. So go there and fill it out, and there you'll learn more about opportunities to serve because we feel being the hands and feet of Christ is part of being the church. Uh, let's see, my life bridge is another way to find out about what's going on here. You can hear sermons, sign up for the devotionals, you can do giving online, um, sign up for email and text alerts, feel free to go there at lifebridge.church slash my if you're trying to find out what's going on. So that's another good way to get connected. You can give online, Venmo, or in the boxes in the hallway or the lobby. We thank you for helping us serve our community, serve this church, and be Christ together as a church by doing that. So welcome. I am going to turn it over to John Thorngate, who is going to tell you a little bit more about what today is about. Give him a hand. No. Hey guys, good morning. I also want to quickly say thank you for your giving. Thank you for supporting our mission. Uh, through your giving, if you call LifeBridge your home church, we ask that you give and um, the Bible says that it is better to give than receive, and we want to be a giving church, a place of generosity, both when we do things like serving, like we did last Sunday, um, but, but with our finances as well. So if this is your home church, we ask that you give. You can do that online, uh, through our website, through Venmo, and through the giving boxes on both ends of the hallway. And welcome. We're glad you're here with us. Thanks for joining us today. There's a cards in, this, in the chairs in front of you. If you want to fill one of those out and get in touch with us, you are welcome to do that. We would love to chat with you. You can also talk, you know, obviously just walk right up to me and talk to me. I don't like going to a green room after this or something like that. I don't have the, I'm not a green room pastor. I'd like to be. I don't have the hairline, to be, to be quite honest with you. It's just, it's just not in the cards. It's just not in the cards. Uh, very good to see you guys. Today we are talking about belonging together. Our vision for this year we're focusing on, in on three things, belonging together, serving together, and growing together. Last week, we served together. That's not the only time we served together. As, as Tia shared, we want to be, be the hands and feet of Jesus throughout our weeks. All the time, we want to be looking for opportunities to be serving our neighbors, to serve our community, to serve with inside the walls of the church. There's different contexts for that. Today, we're talking about belonging together. Belonging together. So when we think about belonging, just take a second and think about that word, belonging. What it means to find 
belonging, to feel like you belong somewhere. I remember when I started uh, getting serious with my then girlfriend, Leslie, who's now my wife, I remember spending time with her family. And that was, um, that was an interesting experience because she, she grew up in a family, they, they raised foster kids. And they adopted uh, kids not, who weren't biological kids. And um, it was such a unique experience for me, so different than my family, uh, than my biological family. But the way, that, the way that I felt like I belonged there and how natural it was for them to make me feel like I belonged because of the way they did family was amazing. And the way that connected with me um, made me desire, made me desire to do the same thing with my family to make it a, pl a place where people could feel like they belonged. And, um, and it really, I think, set, set the tone for the way I wanted to think about church and ministry. Um, because belonging is making people who are, who are outside of our normal sphere, making them feel like belong, they, they belong is not always natural to us. But when we do it, it can be so special and it can be so rewarding. And today we're doing something called Welcome Sunday. We do it once a quarter, essentially, where we talk about belonging, we talk about what it means to belong in a church community. And the idea is, is pretty self-explanatory. So as we're thinking about it, thinking about the idea of belonging, being a place of belonging, being a place where people find community, find a sense of family, I think we, we understand that feeling. We've probably had it somewhere at some time. But I'm going to talk specifically about what we mean when we talk about belonging here at LifeBridge, what we're talking about. What does belonging here look like? What does it mean? Because there's different kinds of belonging, right? You can find belonging certainly outside of a church. You can find belonging in a bowling league. You can find community there. You can find it in, a, in some sort of online community. You can find a sense of shared identity and belonging. You can find it, like you can have like the same people that you, that you play video games with or like World of Warcraft or I don't know. I don't, I don't not, that's not my world, so I'm gonna run out of good examples really quickly, but. But what is, the, what is the kind of belonging we're going after? What does it look like? To get started, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna read a little bit from the, from the book of Romans. So, so would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for being with us today. Lord, as we come together, we know that you are present. God, help us to be reminded of that. Help us to turn our focus towards that. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Romans 12. I'm going to read a few verses from Romans 12. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. And he says this, For the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. So, in the church context, sometimes we call ourselves the body of Christ. And this truly is the kind of belonging 
in a church context that we're going after, belonging as the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul does something amazing here by comparing church community, people coming together as, as, a, as a, a body of believers, comparing that to a functioning body. And many of you guys have probably heard this comparison, maybe you haven't. But I think it paints such a good picture for us of what belonging is supposed to look like. So think about belonging together. Think of it like a, think of it like a physical body for a second. Going back to what Paul's talking about, uh, one body with many members who, ser who serve different functions. We know about our bodies that when one part is missing, others have to compensate. We know about our body that when one part of the body hurts, we, we kind of hurt all over. We know that when we favor one part of the body, it causes issues in other parts of the body. So these sorts of comparisons, I think they help us get a picture of what it means to belong together, to function, to fulfill a certain function within a group and form together the body of Christ. And so often, when we look at the life of Jesus, we look at the words of Jesus and, and what we're instructed to do if we're Christians, we read so much of that as something that Jesus is telling me to do or something that Jesus is telling you to do. And I think sometimes we need to read it more as what Jesus is telling us to do. So when Jesus says, for instance, um, I'm just thinking of an example. The, Jesus talks about um, all authority that has been given to him. He says he's passing it on to the apostles, right? And I think we read some of those passages or we look at, at Jesus' miracles and we're like, okay, so, so, so in theory, that same power, the Holy Spirit's inside of me, and so maybe I'm supposed to be able to do all of these things too. Or, um, or we read different stories throughout Scripture and we say, I'm supposed to be able to do all of these things because all of these people collectively could do all of these things. And when we do that, we're, we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to be all things for all people all the time. So we, no one of us, can do the work that Jesus did, live the life that Jesus did. We can't really honestly come that close. That is our model, that is our pursuit. But as a body, when we come together in the right ways, we can more closely mirror the life of Jesus. And in doing so, we are the body of Christ, a closer and better um, continuation of when he was literally here in the physical body. So that's belonging as the body of Christ. But what makes belonging to the body of Christ unique? What makes the kind of belonging that we're talking about unique? Because like I said before, there's a lot of ways to belong. There's a lot of ways to belong, and, and everybody wants to belong. There's nobody in the world that doesn't want to belong. It's a core desire that we all have. We want to have people that we feel like when we're around them, we just go, oh, okay. These are my people. We all have that desire, right? Everybody wants to belong. That's a universal desire. And it can be found in a lot of places. So I'm gonna take a few minutes and try to talk about how the kind of belonging that we're, when we talk about belonging here, I'm gonna take a few minutes and try to talk about how it's different. How it's different than the bowling league or the homeowners association or the ethnic identity or the online community. How is our kind of belonging different? 
And in order to do that, to try to help paint this picture, I'm going to first talk about some of, the, some, of the, some of the things that people are building belonging around in our world today. Now, these are just a few examples. I'm going to talk you through a few examples of this. That I, these are just things I see. This isn't like a Harvard study. This isn't a, an exhaustive list. I'm just giving you three because, you know, I'm that kind of preacher. I just give you three. There's more than three, certainly. But I picked three, okay? And these are things that we can see in our world. People are finding belonging and building belonging around these things. And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, try, to, I'm gonna try to paint the picture of how the belonging in Christ as the body of Christ that we're called to pursue and go after is so countercultural to those things. The first is fear. Fear is ultra-present in our culture and discourse. Fear is a powerful motivator. Fear leads to an overwhelming desire for control, for power, because power and control means safety. When we can't get the power and control that we want, we become angry. And in our country right now, people are grouping up. They're finding pockets of community around fear, around anger, around desire to control. Probably what I just said, fear, anger, desire to control, probably the biggest drivers of I would say our politics, but even more than that, probably our political, the, the machine that is the, the, the money-making machine that is the political discourse uh, machine, right? Fear and anger drive that thing. We also, as uh, in our society, for, for whatever reason, I don't always know why this is, but we have a huge self-awareness problem around fear and around anger. Christians have a huge self-awareness problem around fear and around anger because we know we're not supposed to be afraid. The Bible says, you know, be not afraid. The Bible says a lot about don't be afraid, don't be anxious about anything. And so when the question comes up, we say, well, I'm not afraid. The Bible says not to be. But the Bible says a lot of things that we don't always do, right? And sometimes we fail to honestly self-examine ourselves. The same is true of anger. Sometimes we don't see anger for what it is. We externalize and say, if just this, this, and this would be the way it was supposed to be, everything would be fine. But if our anger is internalized and we don't deal with it, I'm not sure that's true. There will always be something that we can't control that we wish we could. And that'll make us angry if we let it. So fear is the first one. Second, I put confusion. Confusion. We're living in the information age, and the information age has not made us more enlightened. It has made us more confused. It has made us more anxious and less trusting. We don't know what to do with competing narratives. There's competing narratives about everything. History, science, gender, race. There's tension in knowing what to believe, how to live, and which injustices to care about. And you might be thinking, I'm not confused. Pastor, you might be confused, but I'm not confused. If everyone would do it this way, I think everything would be okay. And you might be right. 
maybe, you, maybe you're one of the rare people on earth that has it all figured out. But in my experience, the most certain people are often the most confused. They just don't know it. I think you all know somebody like that who's just like, man, they've never been wrong in their life, but, you know, sometimes I'm jealous of them. I'm like, that just seems like such an easy, <laughs> easy way to live. Never re-examine the decision. It's just like, well, that's what we had to do. Onward, right? There's a lot of confusion right now. There's a lot of confusion in our world. And like I said, I mean, I'm not gonna spend too much time on it, but the promise of more access to information, the internet, et cetera, the promise of the information age was that clarity would come out of that. We would become more enlightened as we had access to more information. And we all know that that's not what's happening. And fear and confusion, they connect, right? They don't happen independently of one another. Fear drives the narratives that we all uh, take in. Fear and anger, desire to control. And it's confusing, man. The last one I put is indulgence. When I'm angry and confused, I can indulge myself for kind of like a temporary, like, yeah, it feels better for a minute, right? We're tempted to distract ourselves from our fear, anger, and confusion by overloading our brains with dopamine. And we can blame, we can blame technology, we can blame our smartphones, but my smartphone actually tells me not to eat ice cream after 10 p.m. <laughs> so I don't think it's just that, okay? <laughs> and indulgence breeds a, uh, just such a powerful form of consumerism that is so normal in our culture today. We grow so accustomed to our indulgence, we start approaching life like a customer. And that's a huge problem because the customer is not always right. Anyone who's ever worked in customer service knows the customer is not always right. Customer could be a huge problem, real problem. Customers having the customer, not, you know, we're all customers sometimes, but the customer has an inflated view of the importance of their preferences and desires. I paid $7.99 for this salad. It's like, okay, let's relax a little bit. But we feel when, when we have that mindset and we don't, get the, we don't get indulged in what we desire at that time, we feel so deserving of it because we're so accustomed to it. And we feel like this deep sense of betrayal. We feel a deep sense of betrayal. Why do I not have 5G inside this cave? This is an outrage. Right? I'm trying to stream and I'm in a cave and I'm just, I just, I thought it would be fun, but yeah, I don't know. That's not a very good joke. Okay, let's move on. So these are just three examples because we do. We build, we these things are so prevalent in our culture and people are looking for belonging and there are people inviting you to feel belonging around your fear, around your confusion, around your indulgence. And so you can, you can find people with the same fears, fear that you have and you just draw a circle around it 
and you're in the middle of the circle now, and it's like, okay, I can belong here. You, drive, you, you draw a circle around your specific brand of, of desire for indulgence and people that are going to indulge your desires and enable you to continue living the way you are. You draw a circle around people who believe the same narratives, specific narratives that you do, and say, okay, now I can relax because I'm not going to get canceled if I say what I want to say, Right? When we find belonging around these things, it leads to something that, that I call tribalism. I didn't make up tribalism. Everybody calls it tribalism. I invented a term. It's called tribalism, guys. <laughs> People are finding tribalistic belonging in our world today. Tribalistic belonging. There's a lot of, why are we so divided? Things feel... Things, the stakes feel higher. People are angry. We are finding tribalistic belonging. We're in the middle of something uh, that, that uh, the smart people are calling the great sort. People are moving around and finding new communities. People are moving to Florida. People are moving to Texas. Those are good places. It's not a negative on those places. People are moving other places too. We are going to continue to sort in the same way that for years, cities have been these, these ideological sorting places. That's going to be happening more and more. And, it, and what it is, is we are sorting into groups so that we can draw circles around things like fear, confusion, and indulgence. We want to be around people who are afraid of the same things, believe the same narratives, share the same preferences, enable each other's indulgences. Tribalism is belonging built on the wrong things. Tribalism is belonging built on the wrong things. And churches are not exempt from this. So I, when I, we talk about belonging, what it means at LifeBridge, I don't think that LifeBridge is an extra special place. I don't think that we're going to do this better than every other church. But there are churches built on things like fear and anger and control, confusion, indulgence, and I could go on. But if you've been a part of something like that, I'm sorry. We are not a perfect church by any means, but we take very seriously the trust that people place in us. And we want to build whatever belonging we build here, however many people it is, we want to build it on the right things. You might also be thinking, tribalism actually doesn't sound so bad to me. I like the idea of everyone be around me liking the same things I like and agreeing with me about everything. We all like that idea in our heads. That's natural. But we're seeing a lot of it. We're seeing a lot of that resorting that I'm talking about. And I don't think anybody right now would say, like, the trajectory seems good. The trajectory of our country seems good. I like where we're headed, right? But more important than what's happening in our nation by far is that Jesus calls us to something vastly different than tribalistic belonging. Something vastly different than tribalistic Belonging. Ephesians 4, this is Paul again, writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, As a prisoner for, the, prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So as Christians, that's what we're called to. We are called to a belonging that is unified, not tribal. Unified, not tribal. And how do we do that? How do we replace tribalism with unity? And it's, it's, it is one of those things that's much easier to say. Like most things that are set up here, it's much easier to say than it is to do. But the work of Christ in our hearts and the Holy Spirit's guidance can lead us from a place of, of tribalistic desires to a place where we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think that was it. Everyone, when I read them, when I say them, I always, I'm like, I think I skipped one. I think I got them all there. So really quickly, I'm gonna walk through a little more, just a little more practically what I mean here. First and foremost, we need to let love cast out fear. We need to let love cast out fear. That might sound corny to you. You're like, love's not the opposite of fear. Loving things doesn't make me less afraid. I had kids, I love them like crazy, and now I'm more afraid, right? But let's read a little bit about what kind of love does this. So I don't have a slide for this, but this is 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So our confidence should come from our love of Jesus, not our love of our kids, not our love of our house, not our love of our 401k. The thing that's actually going to make us less anxious and less afraid of where the world is going is supposed to be our love of Jesus and our acceptance of Christ's love for us. Because the confidence we're supposed to have is not, the confidence we're supposed to have in Christ is not that our lives are gonna go the way that we want them to go. 
The confidence we're supposed to have in Christ is not that like China's not gonna win <laughs> or something. The confidence we're supposed to have in Christ is that regardless, we have eternity with Jesus. And the reality is, is when I'm afraid, I'm afraid because I'm not, I don't have enough confidence in that. I don't have enough confidence that, hey God, if you do something to my family, if you, if you destroy our future, I don't have enough confidence that, that the kingdom of God is greater than that. And eternity with Jesus will far outweigh whatever bad I experience in this life. And the love that, that we're talking about here has to transform our hearts in such a way that we can actually believe that. If we actually believe that, then we can have a confidence that whatever happens, no matter, no matter who's in control of our, of our daily lives, no matter who's in charge, whatever political party, if the country fractures, if, if my Zillow estimate is, is cut in half and my 401k goes away because, because of everything, because we destabilized or whatever, because crypto took over, I don't know. Whatever happens, our confidence has to be in Christ. That's the love that casts out fear. That's the love that casts out fear. We need to replace confusion with truth. We need to be tethered to truth. Belonging outside of some shared agreement about what is true is not belonging at all. In our country, when people say something like, we need to unify, we just need to unify. That's what we gotta do, we gotta unify. Well, we have groups of people who don't think that the same things are good. They don't think that the same things are true. What's good for us is bad for someone else. And what's, that's, that's how we think about it. That's, those are not groups of people that are going to unify. We don't share the same values, right? And as long as that's the case, we won't, there, any talk of unity without regarding the need for a shared truth is thin and it's empty. Jesus says in John 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. We believe that the Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus. We believe that it is true and authoritative in how we should live our lives. That is the truth. That is the truth. That's the pathway out of confusion. Lastly, we need to replace our indulgence with purpose. Band, you guys can come on up. We need to find purpose. We need to find what, what Jesus calls in John chapter 10, abundant life. He says, I came that you might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. We need to find that. And abundant life is not a timeshare. Abundant life is not a cruise or a vacation. Purpose, is, purpose goes beyond ourselves. It has to go beyond ourselves. And because of our indulgence, our purpose has been co-opted. It's turned into us always getting more. You can always get more. This story will always stick with me. Um, story of a, a banker whose wife was also a banker. 
And they made $450,000 a year. And their problems were the same as everybody else's. They had their second kid, and, they, and she wanted to stay home and not work anymore, and they couldn't afford it because of their mortgage and their car payments, making $450,000 a year, right? Because we're always, there will never be enough to indulge our flesh. Must have been a nice, really nice cars. I don't know. You need purpose. You don't need another vacation. You need a reason to get out of bed besides vacation. You need purpose. And you're not going to find it focusing inward, focusing on yourself, or even just focusing on your family. That's not it. You need the abundant life. These shifts shift us away from tribalism and towards unity, love, truth, and purpose. This is where unity comes from, is by replacing these fleshly desires and these things we're drawn to with the things of the Spirit, the things of the gospel, the things of Christ. I'm gonna wrap up after we sing and just talk about unity a little bit more, but would you guys stand with me? I'm gonna pray for us. Jesus, as we go into a time of singing now, as we worship you, would you guide our hearts towards love, truth, and purpose that comes from you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So really quickly before we close, we're actually gonna end early today. And the reason we're doing that is because we wanna give you guys time to just, uh, so for instance, if you have kids in kids ministry, we wanna give you a little extra time to just mingle and, and spend time with people. There's, uh, there's donuts here so we can all uh, indulge in those um, <laughs> in a second here. Maybe just have one and then we'll, we'll call it good. <laughs> looking, at, uh, looking at you back there. Um, no. <laughs> this is a kind of belonging together we are pursuing. Belonging together in love, in truth, in purpose, in unity. We cannot be united without these things. We can't be united without love. Without love, we become fearful and angry and we fracture. We can't be united without truth. Without a shared sense of what is good, what is right. We're not clinging to the same truths. We cannot be united. We can't be united without shared purpose. In the absence of purpose beyond ourselves, preference will take over and our church will be a, become consumeristic in our experience. And I want, I want to just take a moment with these because these are the ways that we want to belong together and we want you, if you're newer, if you're visiting, we want you to belong here, but we want you to understand what we mean when we say that. We want to belong together in love, but the kind of perfect love that casts out fear. The kind of love that gives us confidence in Christ, in eternity, in Christ's kingdom. It's a specific kind of love. 
We want to belong together in truth. We want to cling to what is true together. We want to, we want to push each other towards more truth, towards living out more truth in our life. We don't want to be dogmatic. We don't want to be black and white and say it's got to be this way all the time or you're out. Of course not. But there is something that is true. And it's the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our truth. That's the truth. And that's what we want to belong together in. We want to belong together in purpose. We want to belong together in purpose outside ourselves so we don't become consumeristic. I love saying that if you come to our church with the mindset of a customer, you are going to be underwhelmed by our customer service. We are not very good at it. We, we get here, we show up. A lot of times we don't know who's making the coffee until someone starts making the coffee. Okay, we, we do not lose sleep over those things. I promise you. And if you belong here, you decide that you're gonna prioritize and uh, prioritize getting plugged in and belonging here. Um, we don't think that that's going to live or die by the first experience you have when you come in the door at the kids' check-in. Now, we're nice people, most of us. Well, besides me. <laughs> but we want you to feel welcome, we do. We want you to feel loved. We want you to feel like you belong. But we want you to have purpose here. We want you to share in the purpose that we have. That might mean serving. That might mean putting in some work into finding relationships. It might mean that it doesn't all come to you very easily. But that hard work is worth it. We want to belong together in unity because when we take our differences and instead of, instead of, instead of the things that so we have our, our core truths, but outside of that, when we take our differences and we navigate those things together rather than drawing smaller circles around our preferences and around our opinions, when we navigate them together, we better reflect the life of Christ as the body of Christ. So this is how we want to belong together, and we would love uh, for you to find belonging here. If you have... Um, a desire to do that. Like I said, there's cards that you can fill out. You can do that. You can come talk to somebody. We're going to release in just a minute. We're going to have extra time today. Meet somebody. You know, put yourself out there. Put a little effort in. Um, we would love to get you plugged in here. But these things, the last thing I'll say, we don't just, we don't just do these things. They're easy to say. They're harder to do. The thing that makes them not that hard to do is allowing the love of Christ to transform our hearts, allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to take root in our lives and to guide us into love, into truth, into purpose, into unity. We don't, we don't just try, try, try. That's not what this is. There's change in our hearts. There's transformation that happens when we encounter the goodness of God that we were singing about. When we encounter that, when we encounter the presence, the love of God, we say, I want more of that in my relationships. I want more of that in my belonging. Pursuing that will lead you towards love, truth, purpose, and unity. Everybody wants to belong. Everyone wants to belong. I want to belong to this. I want to belong to a community 
that is rooted in these things, that is tethered to something. And it's the love, truth, purpose, and unity that comes through Christ. I'm gonna pray for us. And like I said, we've got some time to spend together, a little extra time today. Uh, if you guys can watch the clock, if you do have kids to pick up, if you can watch the clock and, uh, and make sure you do pick them up by, by 10, 15. We'd really appreciate it. So you've got over 15 minutes to spend some time. Um, let's pray together. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that, Lord, your word tells us so much about how our belonging should be formed. And God, that the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus is the way to that belonging and that we can have confidence, Jesus, that you're coming again, defeating death forever. And in that time, there will be no, nothing left to be afraid of. We can have confidence in that. We can build our belonging on that truth. We can find purpose in pursuing that. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.